Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We begin our second message in our series, Unity, and today we're going to be focusing on 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through chapter 2, verses, verse 5. And I encourage you, if you have your Bibles today, to open up your Bibles, or if you have it on a, a device, open up that device to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and just kind of stay there today, because as I'm sharing the message, we're going to be putting the, the Scripture up on the screens as well, but when I'm sharing it, so many times you might want to go back and look and say, what, wait a minute, is that really there? Check your pastor. Make sure he's not, you know, preaching heresy and looking God's word. Don't get so lost that you're not listening to the message, but it's good to have the word of God open. So I encourage you to do that. 1 Corinthians is a letter Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, a church that was struggling with immorality and disunity. Last week I shared how Paul was reminding the church that unity is found in our relationship with Jesus. That's where we can find great unity in our life. Quarrels and divisions happen when we put too much faith in ourselves and others. I'm going to say it again. Quarrels and divisions happen when we put too much faith in ourselves and others. People will disappoint you. Your wife, your husband will disappoint you. Your kids will disappoint you. Your parents will disappoint you. Your fr- just be ready. And when we put too much faith, you're, you will disappoint yourself in life. And what happens when we put too much faith in ourselves, what happens, it causes quarrels and disunity. Our main faith should be in Christ first. Today I want to focus on part of that scripture today that Paul talks about. It's the message of the cross and how God used the power of the cross to unite believers together. Recognizing that Jesus' death and resurrection is God's saving power to redeem people who choose to believe in him. That's the the method that God used. He sent his son from heaven to earth to die on a cross for our sins. And it's the method that we find our salvation is not in ourselves, but it is through Jesus Christ. We're going to begin reading at verse 18, chapter 29. And I'm not going to apologize because we're going to read a lot of scripture today. And it's good scripture. So just, just follow along as I read today. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers and the scholars and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom... He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach Christ crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say, it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser 
than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who think they are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. Lord, we thank you for your word. And God, we just pray right now that your word will just be illuminated in our lives. God, I pray that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would speak to each one of us individually. Lord God, I pray that none of us would leave this room the same way that we entered in, but that each and every one of us, Lord God, would draw closer to you through your word. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thought that I want to share with you is that God chooses foolish things. Now, at first, that statement might offend you. God chooses foolish things, but may I remind you, he chose you. He chose me. He chose us. Think about all the foolish thoughts, the foolish actions, the foolish ideas that we've had in life, and yet God chose you, and he chose me. So don't think that God doesn't choose foolish things. He loves to choose foolish things and show how powerful he is, how he can make something that looks foolish something great. Think about the foolishness of the cross. An instrument made by man to use to execute people, and then God uses it as an instrument to bring about his salvation to mankind. Think about the opinion of Saul, King Saul, and the Israelite army when they, were fight, when they were going against the Philistine army, and they were on each mountainside in the valley between them, and this giant named Goliath, the scripture says he was close to 10 feet tall, massive person, his, the tip of his spear weighed 15 pounds, and he had put fear into the Israelite army. No one wanted to fight them. They were all afraid of them. And then all of a sudden, this little shepherd boy named David walks up, and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who is calling these names out to my God? Who is this guy? I will go and fight them. And Saul and the army thought David was foolish. But you know what God saw? God saw a man who put his faith and trust in God. He says, I can use that. I can use that. And David, the shepherd boy, brought down this, what, what the world sees as a mighty giant, brought him down to his knees. Actually cut off his head if you want to know the whole story. He was pretty, yeah. God chooses the things that this world considers foolish and powerless to bring greater glory and understanding to who he is. In verse 18, Paul reveals this great truth. That people have only one of two choices in how they're going to respond to the gospel. They will either see it as complete foolishness or they're going to see it as the power of God's salvation. There are only two groups of people in this world. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Those who are perishing and those who are saved. It's kind of really black and white. The Bible doesn't have a whole lot of gray. It's black and white. In verse 21, Paul declares the world would never know him, meaning God, would never know God through human wisdom. They will never know God through human... See, so many times 
especially us as Americans, we try to do everything with our intellect. And it's good to use our intellect. God created us with a mind and a brain to use it. But too many times our mind, our intellect gets in the way of knowing God. And it's difficult for some because human wisdom is not the gateway to knowing God. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying because guess what? God is beyond your understanding. Not that we can't grow a closer relationship with God, but if you think you're going to understand everything that God does, guess what? You're not. You're just not. Those who rely on human wisdom will perish because they trust only in their own intellect on what they can understand. And God is so much beyond what we can understand. But those who put their faith in Jesus rely on God's power and wisdom, something beyond our own human understanding. And it's the Spirit of God that all of a sudden confirms in our heart the, God's plan for salvation for each and every one of our lives. In verse 19, Paul quotes Isaiah chapter 29, verse 14. When you're reading that passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians, he's actually quoting Isaiah 29, 14. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. The Lord is referring to the wisdom of man, which was distracting in this scripture, the, the, the word of the Lord that's coming to Isaiah, what is, why it's coming there is the Lord is referring to the wisdom of man, which was distracting the Israelites away from God. They were so caught up in themselves, all of a sudden they started missing God. We will never find our salvation through our own wisdom. We will only find... Our salvation through Christ. The scripture says that, guess what? God made Jesus wisdom and power for our lives. He is our wisdom. He is our power. The Israelites were completely lost because they were putting their trust in themselves, in their own wisdom. Look at what, the Isaiah, what Isaiah the prophet shares. If you just go two verses down in Isaiah 29, 16, which what Isaiah 29, 14 is what Paul quoted. Listen to what Isaiah says. He says, how foolish can you be? We just sung this song, which is so cool. I, I didn't even know Brett was, had this song on that we just sung. How foolish can you be? He is the potter, and he is certainly greater than you, the clay. In, old, in, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, they made a lot of pots. That's what they carried their water and, and grain and all the different things and wine and everything else. They made these pots. And it was a potter who formed this clay into whatever type of vessel that they wanted. They formed that. They, so they used this illustration many times in Scripture. There was an illustration. We are the clay. Who is the potter? God. Jesus. How foolish can you be? He is the potter. And he is certainly greater than you, the clay. Should the created thing say of the one who made it? He didn't make me. Can we say, oh, God didn't make me? How'd you get here? My mama. Who made your mama? My grandma. Let's just keep going down the line. Does the jar even say the potter who made me is stupid? Do we look at God and say, why did you create me this way, Lord? Do we look at God and, and question his wisdom his intellect, his all-knowing? Who are we to question God? That's the question. How foolish are we to put our trust in anything but God because he is our creator? Who are we to tell the creator what is right and wrong? But man, 
Look at the current news that we're, that we're dealing with today. I mean, one of the main topics in current news is we are putting our trust in AI. Artificial intelligence. Did you hear the first word? Artificial. Man-made. Intelligence. Let me go down the rest of that road. But isn't it interesting that some people want to take God out of everything in our life, out of school, out of the workplace, out of, out of everything. They want to take God out of the church. And what do they want to replace it with? AI? Artificial intelligence? Let me share something with you. That's not progress. That's going backwards big time. In Paul's letter to the Corinth, Paul is writing mainly to two groups of people. He's writing to the Greeks and then he's writing to the Jews. And to the Greeks, who at the time were known as the greatest philosophers of the day. They were great scholars. They were great debaters. And the idea of God, of a God suffering, the God suffering on a cross and dying on a cross, to them seemed like Total nonsense and foolishness. To the Jews, the chosen people of God, the idea that the Messiah would come and he would be crucified on a cross was scandalous. Our God is not going to die on a cross. Verse 23, what Paul wrote, he says, When we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews were offended, or are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. The word offended in the Greek is the Greek word scandalon. It's where actually we get the word scandal or scandalous. And in Scripture, it means a stumbling block. That's what it means. When we preach Christ crucified, guess what? The Gentiles, or the Gentiles are, 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 say it's all nonsense, and the Jews are offended. With the idea of scandalon, a stumbling block in Scripture, I want you to keep that thought in mind and look at the question that Jesus proposed to the religious elite of the day in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 21. Didn't, these are Jesus' words. Didn't you ever read in this in Scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's wonderful to see. I want you to catch this next thought because it's so important for each and every one of us here today. Jesus can either be the cornerstone of your salvation or he can be the stone that you're going to trip over. There's two choices in your life. He can either be the cornerstone of your salvation that you're going to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Or you're going to hear the news about Jesus Christ and you're just going to trip over it and stumble over it, but you're never going to put your faith in him. Those are your two choices. You can choose to reject Jesus or put your faith in him. We all have the same choice. Verse 24 states, salvation has come both to the Jews and the Gentiles who believe. That's wonderful news because guess what? Salvation is open to all. It's not just to a select few. It's open to all of us. The difficulty for so many people is their stinking thinking gets in their way of the faith. 
I call it stinking thinking because sometimes that's what I have. It just smells my thinking sometimes. Because it makes sense to me, not to God. And when, when it doesn't make sense to themselves, then guess what? We count it all as rubbish. When we can't understand why God allowed this to happen, this doesn't align with my thinking. It doesn't align with my direction. And I can't make that make sense. So why does this happen? And all of a sudden, well, there must not be a God. Who are we, that's what Paul is saying, who are we to say what is right and wrong and who are we to judge what God is going to do and not do? He is the creator. Guess what? I am the clay. Faith is realizing that we are created and God is the creator. Paul says the foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. Isaiah 55, 8 states, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Did you catch that? What the Lord tells Isaiah, he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. We can never think that we know more than God does. The arrogance and the gospel are diametrically opposed to each other. They do not mix. Have you ever tried to mix oil and water together? They will not mix together. They oppose one another. Our arrogance and God's wisdom doesn't go together. The gospel, it just doesn't mix. We have to surrender to Jesus. We must be careful as followers of Jesus that we don't gain this attitude that I know more than God or that somehow I have arrived. Somehow I'm better than the person that I'm sitting next to right now. Uh Uh-uh. Remember, this, is, this was happening in the church of Corinth. Remember, this is what we started last week. It was happening in the church of Corinth. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. I follow Jesus. All these different things that were taking place in the church. Many of the believers in Corinth felt like they've arrived. And Paul was reminding them that before Jesus, they were viewed only as foolish and powerless. And in part, it's why one of the reasons that Jesus chose them kind of humbling but it's true see the only superiority that we superiority see i can't even say that how foolish am i right there that we should have in our own life is jesus anything else is arrogant and i'm not saying that we don't have different talents we all have different talents we have different skill sets we have different abilities but can you can you be can i remind you today who gifted you with those talents See, I don't know, I don't know if you ever get tired, I love, but I, I don't, I used to, but I don't anymore, we're an athlete, or a great singer, or wh- whoever, and all of a sudden, they're being interviewed, and, and during the interview, the first thing they do, they just say, you know, I just want to give my thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ, who gives me this talent and this ability to be able to do what I do. And sometimes we hear that over and over, and go like, oh man, can, you know, no, 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 I applaud them. Because what they're saying is without God, without Jesus Christ, I am nothing. He has given me, he created me, he gave me breath to breathe, he gave me the ability to run, he gave me the ability to sing, and I have that talent because of who God is in my life. We need to applaud that more. So powerful. We can never think that we've arrived. Have you ever noticed that in the Gospels, Jesus responds harsher to those who are practicing spiritual arrogance 
than to those who are caught in sin. Someone who is dealing with spiritual arrogance, he responds much harsher with than those who are actually caught in sin. Why? I believe it's because spiritual arrogance is the hardening of the heart. It's the reliance upon self and not the reliance upon God. Never forget, which is, by the way, it's the opposite of what the gospel is. The gospel is our complete reliance on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Never forget your faith in Jesus might look like foolishness to the world. When people see your faith and you're going to church on Sunday and you're going to life groups on Wednesdays or Tuesdays or Sundays or Mondays or whenever we have life groups going, it might look foolishness to them. But to God, it's the key that unlocks your salvation, your faith. Your faith to other people might look foolish. To God, it's the key that unlocks your salvation. The second insight I want to share with you today is from verses 30 and 31. Unity is found in Jesus. Our unity as believers doesn't come from self. Self is divisive. Our unity comes when we rely on the power of God's spirit residing within us. Self is divisive. I've seen you guys in your private time. You argue with yourself. You can't even make, oh, what should I? Sometimes we struggle with our own unity. It's Christ that brings unity in our lives. God's power transforms us from divisiveness to the body of believers, the body of Christ. We are nothing without Jesus. Jesus levels the playing field for all of us. If you want want equality, it's Jesus. Rich and poor, educated and uneducated, strong and weak, guess what? We all need Jesus. Without Jesus, we are left only to our foolish state, to our deceived state. Look at verses 30 and 31 of 1 Corinthians. It says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Catch that? For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom himself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. He freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only in the Lord. God made Jesus to be our wisdom. God made Jesus to be our power. We are incapable of holiness on our own. Therefore, Jesus became our holiness. Jesus became the sacrifice to free us from the debt of sin that we owe. This is the unity that we share in the body of Christ. As a body of believers, all of us together, we share one thing in common, that our Savior is Lord Jesus Christ. What else do we share? We share His holiness. We share His righteousness. Because it's not ours. We share His purity. Jesus is our Savior. Paul's telling the church in Corinth, if you want to boast... Post in the Lord. Now the next time you see the sports guy that says, you know, what do you, you know, I just want to give all, thank God. Thank you for giving, boasting in the Lord. The grace of God is found through Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, there is no salvation. There is no hope. In scripture, Jesus referred to as the bridegroom. And all of us church, you and me, we are his bride. We are united together through the love of Jesus, through our relationship with Christ. That's what bonds us together. It doesn't matter how much money you have, how good-looking you are, how talented you are. We all enter in the same way through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how we all are going to enter. You're not going to buy your way into salvation or into heaven. Your talent is not going to earn your way into heaven. 
it all comes through the grace of Jesus Christ. The final thought that I want to share with you today is found in chapter 2, 1 Corinthians, verses 1 through 5. Listen to Paul's words. He says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to the church in Corinth, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Paul is stating this to the church in Corinth, that transformation that's taken place in, this, in, in your life has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the Apostle Paul. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. It's not human wisdom. Paul says, but despite my weaknesses, despite my foolish preaching, guess what? It's the power of the Holy Spirit that's making a difference in your life. You trust, your trust should not be in man, but in God, because it's God's power that transforms us. Human wisdom in God's eyes is foolishness. True transformation comes through knowing God. It's allowing God's spirit to work in, in us and through us. Paul was sharing to the church in Corinth that he didn't want to get in the way of what God was wanting to do. He said, I didn't want to preach the gospel, the Christ crucified in my own strength. I wanted to preach it in God's strength. The transformation of our mind and heart comes through God's power working in us. I want to say that one more time. The transformation of your mind and heart only comes by the power of God working in and through you. How do we do that, Pastor Tom? It's learning to rely less on self and more on God. It's learning to put more trust in God than I put my trust in me. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. What he's saying is it's choosing to deny yourself, dying to yourself to follow Jesus. Self will never transform you spiritually. Only Jesus can do that work in you. Paul shares his faults because he wanted the church to understand that their transformation was coming through the power of God. Remember what Paul said in verse 31? If you want to boast, boast only in the Lord. <clears throat> Last Sunday, while we were worshiping, we, were, we had a powerful worship song, and the, Brett and the worship team was leading. And I looked back at our church, and I was just kind of thinking, and I don't remember the exact psalm about the holiness of God. felt like I needed to just kneel for a moment, so I knelt, which I've, I've done before. But oh my gosh. power of God just overwhelmed me. And I literally just bawled there. You probably thought, some of you thought, I was just, oh no, our pastor is having a mental breakdown. No, I'm having a spiritual breakdown. It was a recognition of who am I and who God is. Who am I to question what God wants to do? Who am I to say that God can't do the miraculous in and through our church despite of me who are you to say what God can do in and through your life see there's a place in all of our lives that we have to come to a surrender point to recognize 
God, less of me and more of you, please. Please. That's something the Lord reminded me, it's not about me, it's about Him. For some, that, that might seem, for someone you start thinking, well, wait a minute, Pastor Tom, I'm just, it seems like kind of demeaning, but it's actually very liberating and very free. It's very liberating and very free when all of a sudden you take, say, I'm nothing, God, but I'm yours. Why is that liberating and free, Pastor Tom? Because all of a sudden, it takes all the weight that you've been carrying and you're saying, God, it's not mine, it's yours. Because I can't do this in my strength, but I know I can do it in your strength. It's no, much, so much, it's no longer relying on self, it's relying on God. See, many of us try to carry our burdens. We put them on our shoulders. We, try to, we carry the world news <laughs> in our mind and in our shoulders. But we were never created to carry the weight of the world. Jesus is the one who carries the weight of the world on his shoulders. He went to the cross for your sins, for my sins. He carries the weight. We must realize the cross represents our freedom, our salvation. It represents the power of God working on our behalf. It's not me, it's God. What burdens are you carrying that are not yours? Let me say it again because it just went right over some of you. What burdens are you carrying that are not yours? Let's make life less about ourselves and let's make life more about Jesus. See, some of those burdens that you're carrying, you need to cast those onto Jesus. That's why he died for you. He didn't want you to carry the weight of everything. Give them to Jesus. This week, Annette and I will be attending the Southern California Network Conference for the Assemblies of God. If you don't know, this church is affiliated with the Assemblies of God. We're our own sovereign church. We make our own decisions, but we're connected to the Assemblies as a denomination. And I was informed this last week via email that, hey, um, from the assistant superintendent um, that our church, South Coast Christian, was the uh, number one church in Southern California for world missions offering for the Assemblies of God. Number one church. <clears throat> Pastor Tom, uh, we need you there on Tuesday morning. If you would, you and your wife could be there. We'll have a place reserved for you. If you can come up, we have an award that we want to give you. <clears throat> and I'm embarrassed. Now let me talk to you about why I'm going through some issues. We're not a big church. Right? We're a, good, we're a decent sized church, but we're not a mega church. And there's a lot bigger churches than our church. A lot bigger. A lot, lot, lot bigger. And yes, yet we're going to get this award that you're the number one giving church for two world missions for Southern California for the Sims of God. I'm going, I'm going to walk up there and everybody's going to go, how in the world is Pastor Tom and South Coast Christian getting that award? And see, for me, I'm very intellectual. 
everything needs to line up for me. It just does. And God just wants to mess me up at times in life. And so he does. I'm so glad that last week God met me right there. Who are you? <laughs> it's me, not you. It's not about you, Tom. It's about me. See, what some of us don't know here and what other people don't know is that through the years, before I was even pastor here at this church, there are people that have been dedicated to giving missions money to this church or to the general council. And they are assigned our church as their church. So they give to the general council. I don't even see the money. They give to the general council, but they dedicate it to our church. And so we, we gave probably, we gave a lot of money for it. The size of our church, we, I know we gave over 100000 last year to missions. But according to the books, it's like $400,000 that we gave or $500,000 that we gave. I don't know. It's a number. It's a big number. But I don't really, I mean, who am I? And God reminded me, yeah, you're nothing. It's who I am. It's what I want to do. Who are you to say what I want to do in and through the church? Woo. Humbling. Why? Because it's kind of beyond my control. And I like to control things. Anybody out, any controllers out there? You know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> See, God needs to get the control out of your hands and into his hands. He needs to get the control out of my hands into his hands. And I have enough faith as a pastor to say, gladly, Lord, gladly. It makes the words that the Apostle Paul shares come alive. If you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. I can't boast about that award because it has nothing to do with me. <clears throat> but everything to do with God working through the hearts and the lives of people. So good. We as a church, and I want you to hear these words. We as a church, because there's more things that are coming. There's greater things that are opportunities I already know that are in the pipeline that are coming this way for our church. Makes no sense. But we as a church will be given more and more opportunities to serve God in big ways catch this, the more we realize it's not about us, but it's about God. I want you to catch that for your own life. I want you to apply this to your own life. As, as a person, put your name there. As Tom, I'm going to give, be given more and more opportunities to serve God in bigger and bigger ways. The more I realize it's not about me, but it's about God. It reminds me how God loves to use small things to accomplish great things. Great miracles. And if you want to be a part of what God is doing, then I encourage you today, put your faith in God. Stop relying on your own strength and start relying on God's strength. For some of you today, it's literally you just need to take a step of faith. God's been waiting on you. Take the step of faith. Watch what God will do in through your life. Let God transform your life. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your power. Because God, it's your power that transforms us. It's not us. It's not our doing. It's not our abilities. It's not our talents. It's not anything that we can do in our own strength except by having faith in you. But God, it's your power. It's your sacrifice. It's your love. It's your grace. It's your mercy. It's your faithfulness. God, that you are faithful even when we're not faithful in our own lives.
your faithfulness never changes. Your love never changes. Your mercies never change. Your grace never changes. It's always there for our access if we choose to put our faith in you. So God, I pray that today's message, the words that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Corinth 2,000 years ago, would come back alive to us today. That each and every one of us will put a greater faith in you. If you're here today, and you're sitting here with every eye closed, heads bowed for just a moment, maybe you're watching this online, and you've never made a choice to put your, take a step of faith to choose to follow Jesus Christ. You've held back, you hold your own things, but you've never really said, you know, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. And if you're here today, and you want to make that commitment, that the message of the cross is no longer foolishness in your life, but the message of the cross is your direction to salvation. It's the only way to salvation. That Jesus Christ is your rock of salvation. He will no longer be the stumbling block of your life. He is going to be, guess, the cornerstone of your life from now and forevermore. If that's you today and you want to make that decision, raise your hand real high. And I want to pray with you guys. See, see that hand? I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Thank you. Online? raising your hands. I can't see you, but God sees you. And I want to say this prayer all together today. Pastor Tom, you're so fired up. Yeah, because you know what? God did a work in me. He's changing me just like he's changing you. And I just want to continue to allow God to change. So if you're here today, I'd love for everybody to say this prayer today and say it and mean it together. Lord Jesus, I choose to follow you. I surrender my life to you. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit. Forgive me my sins. Set me free from my past. Help me, do, help me to do what is right. In Jesus' wonderful name, everyone said, amen. Amen. God is so good. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.